Welcome in Dynasty League Talk Podcast, episode number nine. I'm actually here today with my buddy Jason. Jason, say hello. Hello, everybody. Filling in for Evan this week as we actually talk about Evan's team. Yeah, we're doing a little surprise episode here. Um, Evan doesn't know it yet, but me and Jason are going to go ahead and review his team and break it down. And then um, I'll get on later with Evan, and then um, we'll kind of hear Evan's take on his own team. So we'll start it off here as we always do. We'll start with the QB position. Probably one of the stronger QB groups we'll see right now. Patrick Mahomes obviously helps. He also has Matthew Stafford and Jalen Hurts, who Evan has constantly talked about and talked up. Uh, what do you think about that QB group, Jason? Well, I think you've got you've got QB one overall with Mahomes. That's a no brainer. Uh, QB number two next to Josh Allen, but hey. that's okay. <laughs> Top two for sure, at least last year. Um, but Evan's got that nice flexibility. So between Stafford and Hertz, he's got the the old steady veteran, and he's also got the young guy with with all the upside and the the rushing ability. So really, I mean, Stafford's in a good spot. If Hertz breaks out, great. If not, then Mahomes and Stafford would be a pretty dynamic top two. Yeah, I think as a contender, having the combination of Stafford and Jalen Hurts as your number two is is pretty nice. Stafford is 33. He just turned 33 in February. Um, I don't know when the cliff's going to fall off for him. He's been kind of a middling QB, probably a, a mid QB two. He maybe drifts to you know top QB two, low end QB one, but probably I don't I don't see his future with the Rams being much higher than that. So the question for Evan's going to be how much faith does he have in Jalen Hurts? Does he does he roll the dice with Jalen Hurts and trade Matthew Stafford for value? Does he hold on to both of them and have a fill-in for injuries and bye weeks? I mean, what would you do with that if you had this roster? I mean, looking at what Jalen Hurts did over four starts in the last year, putting up 20 fantasy points a week, I think he had he had a big week where he was 37 points. The ability of those extra points you get from rushing the ball, I, I think if Evan has the ability to trade Stafford and get some value, I, I would go ahead and do so. I think having a young guy like Hurts that's in the starting role already and has proven it in NFL experience. I think I think he's good with Mahomes and Hurts and get what you can for Stafford before he has a bad year and his all his value's gone. Yeah, I think especially if you think about how much confidence Evan has in Jalen Hurts, he's obviously talked him up since his rookie year. One of the best calls I've ever seen was he called out at the rookie draft that Jalen Hurts was going to overtake Carson Wentz as the starter before the end of the year. And I think we all laughed at him, and by golly, he fucking got it right. So – can't believe that. Was it luck? Was it scouting uh, talent? I don't know. But if you if you combine how much confidence he has in Hurts with really we've been talking all year about what a shit 2020 season and roster the Eagles had with the coaching staff and everything. And he still had finishes of, you know, half coming in at the end of the game, 10 points, then 19, then 37, then 20, then 17 fantasy um, points scored there in the last like five games. You'd have to think a full offseason and, and a – an owner and GM and coach devoted to Jalen Hurts would only yield higher production. So I think I agree with you. I think I'd probably, if there was a decent trade offer for Stafford, which in a super flex you think there would be, I would probably make that move. Yeah. And talking about the Eagles organization, I mean, they moved up in the draft and there's, there's not a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball that are looking to go at that position, but if they move up and try to grab an offensive tackle or try to grab a receiver, I think it's only going to benefit Hurts. Um, I don't think anyone's expecting the Eagles to go draft one of these big five quarterbacks, but uh, moving up, I mean, looks like they have their eye on somebody and probably on the offensive side of the ball, so it should only be a plus. Yeah, I think a wide receiver sounds appealing, and and I think I think Jalen Rager's probably more of a wide receiver too. I think I think he could benefit from them adding someone as well, but. You'd have to think they'd add someone on the O-line. That O-line has just been terrible for them. I mean, you can ask Zach Hoberman. He'll tell you. Carson Wentz had no time. I mean, but Carson Wentz had no time, but still just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. I mean, value at the position, probably one of the higher-valued QBs um, Carson Wentz is. So let's move on to his running back position. This might be the best running back core we'll see. I know your team, Jason – you have the two blue collar players or blue chip players, but he's got three high end running backs here that I, I like very much. So he's got Derrick Henry, which is obviously a blue chip player. And then he's got Jonathan Taylor, which is probably a blue chip player. I mean, he's probably going to be top, top five. I don't know, probably top six at least. And then Deandre Swift, which 
we'll see. I mean, the potential, he's looked really good. He may not be top six, but he's probably going to be an RB1 if I was if I was betting on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Derrick Henry is just an absolute workhorse stud. A um, couple of years in a row putting up just historic numbers. I, I think the only – the reason Evans' core is so deep is because Taylor and Swift are so young. Um, he's got a couple of young guys in there that are already starters. I think Taylor, as good as he is, there's just a little bit of concern because they re-signed Mack. Um, they have Naheem Hines. I mean, that there's other running backs that are going to get in there. Taylor's not going to be a true three-down back and get all the touches there. Um, and even with Swift, I mean, Swift is also young, but Swift is on a bad offense, and they just signed Jamal Williams, who's going to have that third-down role. So Evan, is again, is extremely deep. Um, he's got the young guys. But until those young guys become the the workhorses who are going to get the 400 touches a year, um, I think that's the only thing that's kind of holding back his running back core right now. Yeah, I think that to be fair. I mean, I've kind of been open about not loving Cam Akers, but if I'm going to downplay Cam Akers, I probably need to downplay DeAndre Swift a little bit. We haven't seen the volume he's going to get in the new offense. I think you brought up a good point with them signing uh, Williams. I mean, I think Williams is a very capable, talented back, so – what kind of volume is he going to get? How good is this Detroit offense going to be with Jared Goff? I think there's a lot of questions surrounding him in general, but you still have to love the talent. I think Jonathan Taylor is a three-down back. I would argue with you. I don't care too much about Marlon Mack. I know you and Evan love Marlon Mack, but I just don't see Marlon Mack really mattering from a fantasy standpoint at all, uh, especially after that Achilles tendon rupture. I mean, that's a hard thing to come back from. So Jonathan Taylor is a, a true three-down back. I'm not really concerned about uh, Naeem Hines or, or Marlon Mack. And Derrick Henry's he's surprisingly young. I feel like he's been in the league forever. He's only, He just turned 27. You know, you're waiting for the cliff to fall off, but it might be a couple of years here. But I, I do think Evan's probably considering whether or not to move Derrick Henry and, and ride these younger backs or if he should hold on to Derrick Henry. Do you think he'd be moving him or what would you do? If I was Evan, because he's in win-now mode, I mean, we've only got to running backs, but Evan's got a very solid team, um, evident by his his finish last year. But I think I'm holding on to him. I mean, Henry's only 27, but Swift and Taylor both just turned 22. They're going to play the entire next season at 22. So I don't think he's in a hurry here. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd ride Henry for a couple of years and then trade him off to a Hoberman and try to steal some value from him. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think um, that's a player you hold on to. There's no reason selling him at this point, not with this roster, and especially when you can recoup value later with just shipping him off to one of the Hobbins. So, uh, wide receiver core here, it, it's it's not bad. Maybe the weakest on his roster so far. Um, the main the main guys here are going to be Kenny Galladay, DK Metcalf, Brashad uh, Perryman, Brandon Ayuk. I'm going to throw in Kiki Kuti because they don't have a ton of wide receivers in Houston, and I think he flashed. Um, that's probably about it. Josh Reynolds may or may not be uh, viable in Tennessee um, now that Corey Davis left. And then LaVisca Schnault should probably be mentioned as well with um, Trevor Lawrence going there. So probably deeper than a lot of the other wide receiver cores we've mentioned. Um, some of it – some of his question marks. We don't know what Galladay is going to do in in uh, with the Giants. Um, we don't know what Perriman's role is going to be. We don't know what Schnault's uh, going to look like with uh, Urban Meyer in, in Jacksonville. What's your general takeaway with this position group here? Well, I, I do enjoy hearing you say Lavishka Schnault. So we'll I'm going to see if I can say it three times <laughs> fast. Um, but I, I really like Evans' receivers. I think DK Metcalf is an absolute stud, and he's young. Um, he's 23 years old, doesn't turn 24 to the end of the year. Kenny Galladay, who in fantasy is probably a fringe wide receiver one. Um, I, I really do think free agency hurt him. He went from a team where he was the focal point that didn't have a run game to he is now second fiddle. I mean, Saquon Barkley is the offense in New York, and he does have some capable receivers. I think Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton have, have proven to be competent receivers. And he downgraded quarterbacks going from Stafford to Daniel Jones. So Kenny G may have got the money and he may be the true wide receiver one on that team. But I think from a fantasy a fantasy point of view, he may have took a little bit of a downgrade here. So it's um, interesting. So if we go back to your last episode here, you think Cortland Sutton has plenty of sustained volume with that, um, that kind of offensive core in Denver. But you think Kenny Galladay is taking a huge hit. 
Am I hearing that right? Well, as I referenced last week when we talked, uh, Sutton's always had a shitty quarterback, and he didn't have any help around him. Kenny Galladay is now going from a pretty good quarterback with no one else to throw to to multiple other options and a team that runs the running backs and a shitty quarterback in Daniel Jones. I'd say DeAndre Swift and uh, TJ Hawkinson and Marvin Jones are plenty capable as far as surrounding people. DeAndre Swift only had 114 carries last year, so he wasn't really the focal point of that offense. He was kind of he was worked into it a little bit here and there, but a Saquon Barkley led offense, if he's fully back to 100%, is is going to be the focal point. Saquon's going to get the touches. Saquon's going to get the the dump off passes. They've got Evan Ingram catching passes. They've got Slayton. They've got Shepard. I mean, Kenny G is going to fall into a role where he's the best player to catch balls, but not necessarily the best opportunity to get the most points. So Swift obviously shared the workload with a lot of running backs, but do you know he had 46 receptions by himself, let alone how many receptions other players on that team got? So I think he's. I think he took plenty of volume. Yeah, so that, that'll be interesting. But the, I think the good thing for Evan is that Kenny G is not his stud that he's relying on. Kenny G is his number two. So as a wide receiver two option, it's, yeah. it's a pretty strong one. Yeah, so I think you nailed it. I don't think Kenny Galladay, and personally I don't think DK Metcalf either, is going to be that like high-end wide receiver one. But I think they're going to be fringe wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos. And I think when you round up the rest of his roster, he's in a very good position having those players. So I just don't know that either one of them, to your point, is going to get the volume to really catapult them to – to top six at their positions. I do like his depth with Brashad Perryman. I know Evan's kind of high on him. Um, and I think he's got a reason to be, I think he's flashed in the past and I think he's going to be a fine wide receiver, you know, four or five for him. Um, probably the biggest question mark is going to be Brandon. Ayuk. obviously we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be for San Francisco, but I think he's shown enough that he definitely belongs. Um, in the argument for the wide receiver one for San Francisco, what do you think about Brandon and Ayuk um, in that offense next to Debo Samuel? We really haven't seen the two healthy yet. Yeah, I'm I'm torn between which one I think is more the focal point. I think Ayuk showed last year when he was healthy and played that his ability to catch the ball down the field. Um, for me, I still think Debo is is the star of that offense. I think they love to get Debo the ball. They love what he can do with it. But if you look at Debo and where he catches the ball, Debo, I want to say he had a, an absurdly high percentage of passes that either were within five yards of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. So Debo may be the guy they want to get the ball in his hands, kind of that Tyreek Hill mentality, but they don't really push the ball down the field. So I think Ayuk is going to fill that niche as the downfield pass catcher for the Niners. Yeah, I think they go really well together. It, it feels like Debo's the one who's schemed in that offense. They seem to want to get him the ball. And then it seems like Brandon the Ayuk's the one who kind of more naturally gets the ball. I feel comfortable saying he is a wide receiver three, wide receiver two going into the next year. So I think on this roster for Evan, a very good wide receiver three to, to jot out here for his, his lineup. Um, and then I think he's got good depth with Perryman and Laviscus, Laviska Chenault. There we go. I got it. LS. LS, yeah. I I personally am not a huge uh LaVisca Chenault fan. And I'm a I'm an open hater of Urban Meyer. So the only thing holding value in this guy for me is the fact that Trevor Lawrence is coming in. Do you have a differing opinion on this? I, I guess he flashed a little bit in his rookie year, but I'm just not sold he's gonna be much of a fantasy asset in year two. Well, I agree that I hate Urban Meyer. Um and I also agree that I think Trevor Lawrence is going to give that offense a big bump in general. I think he's going to come in and be a, a generational talent. So you've got DJ Shark on the one side, and you've got LS on the other side. I, I, Marvin Jones signed there in the offseason. So that they're, they're adding some additional talent. They're adding some playmakers. I think they're trying to get as many guys there so Lawrence can succeed. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not sold. I mean, he, he played a year in the NFL, and granted he had – really bad quarterback play and, and really no help, but he didn't stand out the way you would see a, a Jefferson or you see like even a T Higgins in spurts when guys would step up and catch multiple touchdowns and kind of take over games. Um, you really didn't see that from Chenault last year. So it'll be interesting to see if he can take that next step when he has a little bit, maybe, maybe more focus in the offense and a little bit better quarterback throwing the ball. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on him being a, 
like a fantasy relevant receiver for years to come. I actually totally forgot that Marvin Jones signed there. I think that's a huge hit to Chenault. I think Chenault will have his weeks, um, but it's going to be more of a gadgety type plays. I, I think um, DJ Chark and Marvin Jones are going to be starting out there, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Jags add a, a wide receiver high in the draft as well. I think that I'm assuming they have their second round pick. That should be a pretty valuable wide receiver sitting there in the draft. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure he's he might be an okay wide receiver five flex, you know, dart throw week to week, but I probably wouldn't feel very good about it. It makes me think we should really be talking about Josh Reynolds a little bit more. I think he flashed a little bit in the Rams offense um, when he was called upon. He just never really got the volume or the opportunity. Now he's signed with um, Tennessee, which obviously they have a huge hole now that Corey Davis left. It certainly seems like he could be a good fit next to A.J. Brown, and he may end up being a sneaky, viable fantasy asset for Evan. Yeah, you, you hit it right in the nose. Corey Davis left there, which opened up a bunch of targets, and also John Smith left there, which you think Anthony Fersker is going to pick up most of those catches, but you lost your number two and number three guys in terms of targets last year. So um, Josh Reynolds is is still not very old. He just turned 26, so he's right in the prime of his career, and um, – it seems like Tannehill has kind of resurged it with his career in Tennessee and is able to move the ball around. So I think Josh Reynolds is a, is a sneaky play. Um, I'd probably put him in the same area as Chanel. I mean, I don't think either of them are really. How'd you say that? Chanel? Chenault? Chanel? We're going to keep calling him LS, but um, I don't think either of them have really established themselves as a, as a legitimate fantasy option week in, week out. Um, but I could see them both having flashes throughout the year. Yeah, I think I could see him. I guess you're right. I could see him establishing himself as far as volume and snaps, or I should say snaps. But I think in that offense, he'll probably lack the volume for a weekly asset. But sneaky depth for Evan, I would say. Moving on to the next position here, we have the tight end. Not a lot to talk about besides TJ Hawkinson. Now, we talked a little bit off the pod, and I think I'm a little higher on TJ Hawkinson than you. You seemed to kind of count him out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Hawkinson got off to a rough start. He was such a high pick two years ago that I think everyone's expectations were that he would come into the league and instantly become a, a Kittle-Kelsey type role. Um, but he did miss some time and, and kind of stumbled through that first year. Um, and even last year, I know he, he's getting his feet wet and that Detroit offense is, I mean, as usual, it's just poor. Um, offense really struggled to score points and really struggled to get things going. And Kenny G last year was injured throughout the year, so that really hurt them. Um but yeah, I guess as far as as, uh, as our league goes, where that position is worth that extra point, you really want to make sure you have a, a top 10 tight end, like a, re- a true tight end one in your team. And I don't know if Hockley's is going to be in that top five tight end discussion, um, but I think he's certainly a top 10 guy. I think he's certainly got the, the physical skills for it. Um, he's young, so he's going to be around for a while. And in the event that he doesn't work out, Evan conveniently has Detroit's backup tight end. So if Hockley's does get hurt, then he's got Hunter Bryant there to step up and add to his one catch that he had last year. He does. So I'm going to differ with you a little bit. I think Hawkinson did pretty well last year. He was tight end number five. Obviously, there's guys like Kittle and stuff like that that didn't produce like we expected. But he certainly seems like he's probably a lock to go, you know, top six tight end um, going into his third year. Most tight ends don't break out their first and second year. So I think he's certainly shown enough that you would expect him to um, take the next step here in the third year, especially with a Detroit team that's lacking pretty much weapons anywhere. I feel confident enough in Goff that he'll get him the ball. If you look at his weekly breakdown, I mean, he scored double-digit fantasy points 10 weeks out of the entire season, which isn't that bad. If you consider Stafford missed a few of those games um, and was playing injured for most of them, I feel like that's not terrible, especially with Kenny Galladay there. So I like TJ Hawkinson a lot. I think he's a nice young prospect, and I think he's he's approaching that 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 blue chip player as far as fantasy. You know, he's not top three locked in yet, but I think he's he's going to be um, approaching that in the next couple of years. Let's go yeah, ahead. I think I think even at that note, I I didn't realize he was top five. I mean, I'm I'm kind of looking at it now, and um, he was right in that range of kind of a Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, Mark Andrews. Um, 
you know, you mentioned Kittle was out and there were some other guys that maybe didn't perform, but uh, I am surprised to see he was that high. He seemed to be pretty consistent all year. Um, but it, there, there does seem to me to still to be a quite a disparity between, you know, your tight end five at Hawkinson having 67 catches and 700 yards as opposed to your guys at the top where you're, your Kelsey Waller Kittles who are getting a hundred catches and over a thousand yards. So that, yeah, he, he may be in there at tight end five, but I think there's still a little bit of a gap between what a, a true tight end one versus a, a serviceable tight yeah. end for fantasy. Like I said, he's not, he's not at the um, Kelsey Waller Kittle level yet, but I think in another two years or so, we're going to be talking about him being right up there. So um, pretty nice asset to have. And I think of, with this roster, a, a fine starting tight end for Evan to, to roll out there. So as I usually do, I went through and projected a starting lineup. Um, right off the bat, I think it's probably so far the best starting lineup we've reviewed, which makes sense because I think he finished, what, second in the league? So it makes sense that he would have a good roster overall. Starters here, I put down uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, Matthew Stafford, then Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Kenny Galladay, DK Metcalf, and Brandon Ayuk, TJ Hawkinson, and then for his flex spot, I put Swift. For his uh, significant bench players, I think his main one is Jalen Hurts, obviously, is a, is a pretty great high-end QB bench player to have. And then I wrote down two wide receivers. I put Brashard uh, Perryman, and then I actually put Josh Reynolds um, slash LaVisca Chenault. Uh, I, I think he could plug and play those based on really any of those receivers based on a week to week matchup. So what do you think about that overall uh, starting lineup there? I think overall that's, that's very close. I think me personally looking at it, I would probably rate Hertz higher to start the year than Stafford, which is a good problem that Evan has. He's got a couple of good options behind Mahomes. Um, and I think the biggest concern for Evan moving forward, he's got that, Swift is a really good backup um, running back. He's got a couple of receiver options, but if something does happen to to Hawkinson, he's really just fucked at tight end position. I mean, he's we we start looking at Evans' depth at the tight end position after that, and he's got a backup in Detroit, a backup in Minnesota, a free agent, um, a backup in Denver. He's so if something were to happen to Hockley's, which I don't want to call him injury prone because he had trouble his rookie year, but you know, half his years in the league, he's missed substantial time. So if something were to happen to him, then Evan could really struggle to uh, to field that position the rest of the year. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think um, he's pretty solid everywhere and has decent depth everywhere except for the tight end position. Someone who's a contender like Evan, he should be looking to add, you know, a top-tier tight end, someone who's older, like a Logan Thomas, for example, someone who's going to be cheap. Or a Noah Fant or an Eric Ebron. See, I think those players are going to cost more money. Well, Ebron might not, but like I know fans going to cost probably more money than Evan wants to pay. You can probably get an older tight end. Um, Ebron's a good example. Maybe like a, well, someone who maybe had Gusecki, but maybe Dallas Goddard as a backup. Um, maybe like a Bryce Jarwin, who's going to be the starter in Dallas or, a, you know, someone a little, maybe a little cheaper, David and Juku. I mean, there's a lot of tight ends that are probably available that Evan could trade for. Those are all really, really good tight ends. I don't think Evan could afford any of them. But the point being, I think he'd be better off getting an older, productive tight end, um, like almost like the Jack Doyle of his prime, someone who can he can back up TJ Hawkinson. He can plug and play him if he needs to, but he's not spending a lot of um, capital towards him. So I agree that that would be a, a pretty good direction for him to go. Now, for reference, he only has one pick in this draft. It's the 312 pick. So he's pretty much moved the rest of his draft capital. Um, kind of lines up with his squad that he's going for at all. Obviously, I don't think there's any debate about the direction of the team. I think we both agree he's a contender. Is that your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I think I think looking at – I did not realize he had only the 312. That's that's not a good scenario. Um, but given his, his depth, I would say especially at the quarterback position um, and some of his weaknesses, like we mentioned, at tight end, I would think that's something Evan's going to want to address. Maybe moving, maybe moving Stafford, like his his veteran quarterback, because he has hurts. Maybe trying to pick up some extra picks. Maybe trying to solidify that tight end position. Um, I think that could that could really set him up for this year and and the future. Yeah, we'll ask him here in a little bit when we get him on the line. I, I think he's been a little bit open about trying to move Stafford, and 
me personally, I think I would probably hold him. I think having three viable QBs is important if you're a contending team. Um, even when you get to the championship or, or the playoffs, you're going to want to play a few matchups. You know, you might not want to play, um, you know, guaranteed two over the over the third. If I was him, I would probably think about moving that 312 pick, not necessarily spending it, but like I said, trading it for maybe some degree of a proven tight end um, or at least someone you think is up and coming. I think the third round pick's valuable enough. He should be able to get tight end value uh, with that pick. And I think that would really solidify his roster. And, you know, he's got a slew of picks in the next next year's draft if, if it doesn't go his way and he wants to get a little bit younger. But his team's young overall. Like he doesn't, outside of Stafford and really that's it. He doesn't have an older player. I mean, this roster is going to be intact for a few years. So he doesn't need to feel the need to get, get draft picks and make these young picks. I mean, he should really be, he should be the one who's targeting the Adam Thielens and the, you know, that type of player. Absolutely. I, I would say, I mean, looking at his core and his top, top players, each position, Mahomes and Hertz, both young. Um, Taylor and Swift, both young. I mean, Kenny Galladay is only 27, so I would say Kenny Galladay and DK, both young. Um, Ayuk and Chanot are both super young. Hawkinson's what, what young. What was that? Chanot? Chanot? But overall, I, Stafford is really the lone veteran starter in Evan's lineup. So um, yeah, rolling everyone. with him this year, but if if he has to pick up younger picks, I mean, Evan's team is, is set up here for yeah. the long haul. I think he's in a position to – he can hold Stafford until Hertz truly takes hold of that position. You know, he doesn't need to trade him this off season. He can hold him until mid season. And then, you know, once Hertz has really solidified himself as a starter, then he can move Stafford, you know, mm -hmm. he doesn't have to pull that trigger. Now he doesn't need to get younger. He doesn't need to take advantage of, of any of the talent in this draft because his Ross, none of them are probably going to be starters for him. You know, I think he's, he's got solid enough of a roster. All right. Any other comments for Evan's roster? Should we go ahead and get him on the line? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think it's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I hate to say it, but I've I've been in leagues with Evan for almost ten years now, and and luckily I've never seen him win. But I think this is definitely a roster that's going to compete. So, yeah, I think there's a reason, and we'll talk to him about it. But I think he openly prefers dynasty over over redraft. And I mean, I've been in a redraft league with him for what ten years now, and he hasn't won it yet. Well, he drafts rookies every year in that. He does. <laughs> and I, I, he, he always drafts rookies way too high than he should. And I think he's seeing it, it pay off in the dynasty format. I don't think his evaluation is off. I think he's just – he has a hard time um, committing to some of the veterans. So, All right, we'll get Evan back on the line. Evan, welcome back into the podcast, man. How was your brief time away? Oh, it, was, it was nice. Glad to, glad to be back. So we got a little surprise for you. Beatdowns uh, to you. Jason and I went ahead and kind of reviewed your team and broke it down. So that'll be a little treat for you to go back to and listen to and okay. see what our thoughts are on your uh, dynasty you've built here. Yeah, that, that would be fun. <laughs> so I think, I think everyone in the league – knows you from your your podcast and your voice and whatnot but um why don't you go ahead and tell them a little bit about you on a little bit more of a, a deeper level if you will sure um uh so I, i'm uh i was uh born and raised in columbus even though i am a michigan fan my family's from michigan and uh my uh, dad went to michigan so i've been brainwashed to like michigan so that's like my excuse for that um i'm a lions fan as well because there's no real professional team for football in uh in columbus so i do love the blue jackets i take them over the detroit red wing red wings and uh you know i was a fan of the cavaliers but i still like the pistons a little bit better so that's pretty much the extent of my fandom because baseball is, is baseball so yeah it's fair <laughs> enough i didn't actually realize your family was from michigan i just always thought you were a douche oh okay well yeah yeah so i'm not i'm not a complete douche yeah they're actually from michigan so yeah i can respect that then that makes sense yep but uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fourth and fifth grade uh, teacher right now. Uh, it's, it's a lot of whiners. It's not too fun, but uh, you know, it's how it goes. And um, yep, I am, I am married, and I'm not gay. So you know, I just have to put that out there. Thanks, John. 
we'll uh, leave it on the records then. Yeah. I think we've talked about your team name fairly extensively throughout the podcast history. I, I believe you said it well yourself. You said your team name is Sad Lions because there is no such thing as a happy Lions fan. Yes. Is that right? That's just pretty much, that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Sums it up. I like it. I didn't actually know the, the rationale behind it before that. So. Well, I'm pretty sure you just see the product in the field. It pretty much explains itself. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, the upcoming seasons. I think you're going to really feel that. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think me and you had talked before this Dynasty League ever came about. It was something that we were both interested in. Just neither one of us had ever had experience in it. Um, now that you've experienced the Dynasty a little bit, what are your thoughts on the, the league format in general compared to keeper leagues and redraft leagues and such? Um I, I really love the the control factor. I think it's I think it's pretty much the ultimate for me. Um, like as far as trying to get that um, simulation of being a an owner and uh, operating a team. I mean, the only thing you have to do is uh, you know treat your fans well. So, uh, but I, I really I really enjoy it. The you know the opportunity to like you know evaluate players and you know play the draft. That's something that I I do enjoy a lot. So, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I think me and Jason talked about this a little bit on your preview, but in all of our redraft leagues with you, you constantly drafted like rookie players way too high and consistently was just like ahead of the bell curve. It wasn't necessarily that they became bad players. It was just you were always drafting them like before yeah. they would break out, you know, because because yeah. rookies just take a little while to develop. They do. And so I feel like you were always meant to be in a dynasty league because the flags you planted typically panned out. It was just a matter of time until they, they all hit. And, and when you draft them all like that, they don't always hit all at once either. Right. So. right. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, yep. That, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> so last year you uh, lost in the championship. How did that feel? Uh, yeah, it, it sucked, but uh, you know, I, you know, it kind of pretty much came to terms with it uh, pretty quickly. You know, I had, I had a pretty good run up to the championship. My team was firing. Uh, I think I was putting up like 130, to like 150 a few weeks in a row. And I knew like, one of these weeks it was just going to drop off and it happened to be week 16, but you know, that happens. So did you dissect it? Was there any start sits you could have made? Or, um, uh, I, I did dissect it a little bit. If I, if I went and looked back at it, um, I don't think I could have uh, won even going back to before I traded Deshaun Watson and, oh, man. and, and David, <laughs> and David Montgomery and stuff. I even went back that far to see if I could have pulled it off, but I, I think I pretty much was just destined to lose, but I, I, I you know, I didn't really. That's that, hilarious. But, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every championship I've lost or every playoff loss, I always go back and like, you know, I just don't want the loss to come back on me. You know, like I did something that could have impacted it. I want it to just be destiny. You know, you lost, but that's so hilarious that you went, you went back and traced your trades throughout the last like year to see if there was something different. Yep. Well, you know, when you spend this much time with it, you it's in the back of your mind and, you know, things should happen. You got to get lucky to win. So, I mean, I think I had a pretty darn good year considering I think I was starting four rookies. Uh, so, not too yeah, bad. you you hit on a lot of players this year. So, which is interesting because you didn't really draft any of them. I feel like you went out and besides Jalen Hurts, but for the most part, you just went out and got your guys and uh, traded away a few future stuff. And, mm -hmm. and you kind of hit on them that way, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, well, I, I I thought I had an okay draft. I, in fact, I really like the players that I got in the back end um, of it. Uh, but I kind of realized that I needed a running back, and uh, I really liked Jonathan Taylor's profile. And I thought he was kind of like a uh, once every ten years type of player. But we were just kind of numb to it because Saquon just came out recently. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I decided to you know try to go for like a, a trade in the off season um, and take a risk on it and try to try to give uh, an offer that was, you know, you know, probably an overpay to some maybe at the time. But um, for me, it was like probably like one of those, you couldn't refuse kind of things. Like, so, you know, I was trying to like do it kind of that way. Um, and so I, I decided to take a chance and it, it seemed to like to work out for, for now. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, there was a few wide receivers that I saw. I mean, I've always liked Michael Hardman and I wanted to pair him with, um, Patrick Mahomes, I like that speed. I mean, I think he's like number three on the list for most most touchdowns um, over uh, 30 yards with seven behind uh, another player and then Tyreek Hill at number one. I think Tyreek Hill has like 11, 
I think he has seven, so uh, not too bad. And then just trying to pair up those guys in the offense. And then I like also really like the the Visca Chenault. Um, I just liked his profile too, and I kind of liked what he saw when I saw when he played. Uh, so I decided to make a trade and try to grab him too. What a random Nicole Hardman stat. I don't think anyone else in the league or most leagues would have been able to quote that off the top of their head. Oh, no. I'm not even sure what that stat was, but either <laughs> way, I'm impressed that you knew it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And then also, of course, there is the trade that happened most recently with my team. Um, so, Yeah, I guess we can break down on that a little bit. So the big uh, trade chip you had – um, all off season, I think you were kind of shopping since Matt Stafford got traded. You were you were trying to move him for something. It seemed for most of the off season it was some sort of draft capital you were trying to obtain, and then um, you ended up moving to Jeff. So if I remember right, the trade was uh, Matthew Stafford, and then basically for Adam Trotman and a 2020 future first, mm-hmm. some other picks in there, but that's the, the meat of it. Yep, um, that was pretty much it. I, I had a two trades uh going i was in talks hard talks with uh jeff and uh jason for probably over a month for the each of them and uh, i had a few uh offers like i i I talks with a few other uh members of the league um not not as extensive though um so i pretty much i valued stafford as um you know two first round picks maybe not an early one you know, but, you know, I think he's kind of around there for a, quarter, a quarterback needy team. Uh, and considering that I think I hit on Jalen Hurts and I really like him as a quarterback, no matter, I, I think he's going to really pan out. Um, I could be wrong, but I think he's really going to like do very, very well. So I think, you know, having a Stafford is like my number three quarterback, just because of Jalen has that rushing upside. I think that's just the only like deciding factor. I think Stafford's still a great quarterback as far as, uh, his passing department, you know, top three arm, pure arm in the league. But uh, um, I, I needed, I, I think I, he's no use on my bench. So, you know, I always wanted to try to like acquire a, another usable player. Um, I was looking at uh, Mr. Redwood. And then I also really liked uh, Adam Troutman and I needed a uh, tight end and I wanted him to be young and uh, on a good offense. Um, so I was looking at those two players specifically uh, and I ended up uh, trading with uh, Jeff. Uh, we had some talks. I, uh, Jason Jason was a little bit more of like a wait till after the draft guy, and then uh, Jeff was seemed a little bit more willing at the time. And you know, um, as with me, I'm, I'm willing to wheel and deal at certain times of the day, and I felt good about <laughs> that one. And that's how it turned out. But yeah, yeah. So I think Jason was interesting because I, I heard you guys kind of talk in the background and whatnot. And um, it seemed like Jason was kind of just like, you have to wait on me kind of mindset. And he didn't seem concerned at all that you might move him in another direction. And so I do like that you kind of called his bluff because he was kind of like acting like he was holding all the cards and he had uh, the power there and, and now he's got no one to deal with. So one, I like that. Fuck Jason. That's usually my mantra. And then the second thing, I, I kind of want to bring this up to the league to get their opinion. So for some background story here, about 10 minutes before that trade happened, I just casually randomly texted Evan a trade offer for <laughs> Stafford. And Evan very politely said, uh, not a bad offer. I'm, I'm thinking about it or whatever, but um, I'm not, I don't want to make a trade right now. I'm going to wait till after the draft to trade Stafford. We can go back and look oh. at those text messages. And I said, I am talks with other people and I like those trades better. And then you said, go ahead. Yeah, so I think you, I think you said you have a couple other offers. Uh, you like them a little bit better, yes. but you don't want to make any trade until after the draft. Yes, that's true. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So it, the way I took that was you're going to wait to see how the draft happens, and then you know, then we can talk about beating a trade off or whatever. And then fucking 10 <laughs> minutes later, without saying anything to me, you make a trade with someone else. Yes. <laughs> Well, and then when I texted you about it, saying that's very poor uh, sportsmanship to lie to me straight to my face and then trade 10 seconds later <laughs> without giving me an opportunity to better my offer or match it. I mean, you made it sound like you weren't interested in, in trading at all. Well, I mean. And then your response was you thought it would have been rude to Jeff to, uh, after negotiating with him, then give me the opportunity to match. Well, I didn't want to. So yeah. I, I want to know what the league thinks of this because okay. to me. Well. 
you chose to be nicer to Jeff than me by not giving me like you could have just you could have just told me I don't like your offer. I could, and then I could have I could have sent you something stronger. That wasn't true. Instead, yeah. Instead, you just lied to me though. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't I don't think I lied to you. I think I just it's kind of sometimes hard to communicate um, what you mean through text messaging. Um, and the, I think the thing about it was, I think I would have liked your trade. I think I would have been more after if I, if I, things would, all right. So I had some players ranked a certain way. Okay. For me. And so part of the reason why I like Adam Troutman so much is, okay. So he's walking into 70 plus targets as the number one tight end for the saints. Sean Payton loves the tight end. They had 11 touchdowns in the position last year. Okay. Jared Cook and Josh Hill are both gone. Jared Cook on, I think, like 50 receptions. He had 504 receiving yards, and he had 124 yards after the catch. Adam Troutman had 16 catches or 15 catches on 16 targets for with for only 175 yards, but he had 114 yards after the catch. So he had almost yard, as many yards after the catch as Jared Cook on, like, 40 less targets. I think this guy is going to be, you know, Kelsey or – Kittle and also he was the highest graded run blocking tight end in the league last year. So this is why so I all traded I'm hearing for him. is all I'm hearing is you think Jameis Winston is gonna be the next Drew Brees. And I love that. <laughs> I, I you know if that's if that's the case, I can get on with that. I just saying that this guy dropped one pass and he had the highest catch rate of tight ends in the league last year. I think he's gonna and he's not gonna keep that up that high next year, but I think this guy is going to be a huge threat. And I'm taking a chance so, on it. That's why. And he was my top tight end that I wanted. I didn't want anybody else in the league except for him. And then the next – And I'm cool with that. And then, You should have told me that. Yeah, well, I, I can't tell you that, yeah. man. <laughs> you could just say I'm, I'm working on this other trade and I really like the players over there. Right. You know? well, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I thought I communicated that. and uh, But I apologize, you know, if, you, if it came off rude. I, I didn't want to start a bidding war between anyone and, you know, I – and I was just after this player specifically, whether it works out or not, it would be ready to be seen. But, to give you this setting, I'm just I'm having a little bonfire by myself, <laughs> burning all the twigs in my yard, drinking uh, a glass of whiskey by myself, just sitting out there, absolute quiet. And I'm just send Evan this trade casually. I'm just thinking about Dynasty. And then, uh, you know, I get your text back and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, yeah, sounds no, like he's not actually, I was I was drinking some bourbon, too, that night. Yeah, sounds like he's not interested in trading. I'm not going to, like, pester him, you know, put my phone back down. And then I get, like, a text message, like, five minutes later. And I look down, and it's like, Evan has made a trade with Jeff. And I click on it, it's a fucking staffer. And I'm like, you're going to be fucking me. Like, what an asshole. Oh, man. Well, sometimes the, the iron is hot, and you don't know realize how hot it is. And I decided to go for it. Um I had many trades in place. I had one trade in place with Jason. If the Detroit Lions take took a quarterback, and if he could take him, I would trade Stafford for him straight up. Um, well, that's what I thought I was being respectful about because I was like, well, I'm not gonna like bombard him with trades. Like I know he wants the Detroit rookie. Like I'll just let him like wait and see if that happens, and then go from there. So I'm like sitting there drinking my bourbon, thinking I'm like, you know, I'm doing the right thing here. I'm not like pestering Evan about making a trade. Yeah. Like I know he wants to wait. I mean, and then it's like fucking stabs me right in the back. Yeah, but you know, I don't think the Detroit rookie is going to be worth that much. So let's be honest. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but um, and uh, I, I want to hear the I do want to hear the league's opinion on that. Okay, though, yeah, that, that'd be that'd be fun. That'd be fun to hear. Who, were you in the wrong? Were you not in the wrong? I mean, I agree. You don't have to um, you don't have to make a trade with me, and you don't have to you don't have to tell me you're trading with anyone else, but to just lie to me. I, okay. Yeah. I did say, in my defense, I did say that I've been working with two other people for a few months on some trades that I do like better. And I wasn't, didn't think I was going to be trading him. But again, when, like you say, when your guy becomes available, you have to go get him, right? Maybe like a courtesy text, like, Hey man, I know I said, I'm going to wait, but this trade, I can't, I can't uh, refuse. Just came across, you know, my phone or whatever. <laughs> like that would have been cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are doing this podcast, and I can't even get you to talk to my or talk to me about trades. <laughs> Speaking of, I forgot to offer you a trade again. I gotta get better at this. Uh, yeah. Well, um, you ready for your trade offer? Yep. I mean, I think it'd be uh, to be honest with me. I mean, it might be kind of difficult to trade with me, but uh, you know, like you, we'll we'll see what you got. 
Oh, why is that? Are you not interested in trading? No, right I now? mean, I'm just, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to wait till after the draft or something like <laughs> no, that? No, I'm, I, I'm always willing to listen to offers. It's just that, uh, you know, I, I, some, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I had a, I finished, you know, runner up last year, so you know, I have a young, very young team, so I, I got to let them get some years under their belts, and get some bets. Are you gonna take the Jake Powers mentality where your team's so good you don't need to like acquire anyone from? Other teams that or? is not true. Obviously, I just made a trade trade recently. So, all right. Well, conveniently, I know exactly who you want for my roster, so okay. I can offer you a fan favorite because um, I know you so well. So, okay. my trade offer is: I want your twenty twenty two first and a twenty twenty two second for your boy Odell Beckham Jr. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? At wide receiver right now, um, I think I'm pretty much set, and I would like to kind uh, kindfully decline. Thank you, though. Yeah, so that was just a joke offer because I know you hate Odell <laughs> Jr. But I'm not gonna lie; I actually, I actually would rather have Odell than those picks. But I was like, I was like a little nervous that you might be like, oh. I have two twenty-two first. I'll take yeah. that. <laughs> well, I will say um, that you know, I you know, my, obviously the the Jeff the the first he gave me was uh, Robert Spencer's. So uh, you know that is so that's what made me nervous. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at your but, two, two seconds, and I'm like, it's the champ and the runner-up. Like, right, those exactly. are two really late twenty-two uh, first, and then a really late projected twenty-two seconds. So but hey, I would much rather have Odell Beckham. I I know it might not pan out, but I, I would take the upside on him than future late picks. Yeah, I know. I like, well, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you know, uh, ebb and flow to the league, I'm sure, just like in the NFL. And you never know where Robert's going to finish next year. So, yeah, I think, you know, look at uh, Hey Darnold from last year. Like, he was the champ first year. And then, you know, his team wasn't, didn't look great on paper. We'll get to it later. But I think he still finished, like, what, like, 10th or something ninth maybe yeah yeah so um so he's still like you know a top four team so i i mean the bottom teams are really bad like <clears throat> you gotta be a pretty bad team to not make the playoffs and i can say that because i didn't make the playoffs so right so like, I, I think this seems i think this league's more competitive than like this last year would have seemed actually this last year it seemed like it was actually a little bit more um one at two ends of the spectrum more so than the year before, much more year. And in my experience with people I've played with in the past. Yeah. No, I think there's like really bottom teams, but then after that, like I kind of think anyone could win from, you know, yeah. Yeah. the top eight, maybe not top eight, top seven teams, eight teams. I'll say eight, top eight teams probably have a chance to, to win it. I think. Okay. You just got to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, all right. So obviously you're, obviously your team's contending. Um, I don't think we need to really talk about the direction. Yeah. So how many? Yeah. So how many blue chips do I have? Ooh. So I don't. You know, me and Jason actually recorded this about a, two weeks ago. So, but if I'm looking at it here, I would say Mahomes is definitely a blue chip. Derrick Henry is a blue chip. I would say Jonathan Taylor will probably be a blue chip. And then Swift is a half probably, blue chip, maybe. I think he'll probably get there. That's probably it for me, I think. And I have DK Metcalf, who seems to be a pretty yeah, solid player as well. I think he's a solid player. He's just not like in the top. You know, he's not like the Tyreek Hill yet or the Devonta Adams yet. But he's like, yeah. you know, he's knocking on the door. Yeah, he had uh, one thousand three hundred yards last year with ten touchdowns. So, I think you could say the same of uh, TJ Hawkinson yep. and DeAndre Swift. I think they're both like knocking on the door, of being a blue chip player. So. Yep. I'll tell you a spoiler alert that me and Jason both really liked your team. We thought this was a pretty solid team, especially your starting lineup. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of holes kind of going through there. So our one big hole was we thought you needed a backup tight end and you obviously went out and addressed that. So yeah. I think a lot of your team is going to be riding on uh, Jalen Hurts actually. Now that you made that trade, yep. if he doesn't pan out, you know, that's going to set you back a little bit, but. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I I agree there. Like I'm I'm putting a lot of faith in Jalen Hurts for running uh, two quarterbacks, and especially I think he averaged last year. I th I know he had you know a few up and down games, but I think he averaged 30 fantasy points a week. And I think I want to see him in a full offense devoted to him. Uh, I really like this guy's attitude. He's a leader. Everybody loves him. So I just think he's you know he he's 
he's just magnetic, magnetic, and like has that charisma factor. I think, I think he's going to do really well. Yeah, you know, I just never thought he looked that good in college. I agree, he's already looked a little bit better than I thought he would, and I thought he's looked better than he did in college. Right. But the big question is just going to be: I mean, defenses adapt pretty quickly, and once a little bit of tape gets out there, they figure out what you do good and they stop it. And then, you know, he's going to have to exactly kind of counter that. And I don't know if he's talented enough to do that. So yeah, we'll have to see I'm, I'm always talking about the sophomore year for uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. And like, usually, you know, sometimes they have a bad year and they don't, they don't recover from it, but the good ones, you know, stick it out, have a, you know, decent to great year. And then they keep going from there. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I worry a little bit that the Eagles just don't have a good offensive line. I don't know that they've done much in the draft. Yeah. And something like that can really rattle a second-year QB. Yeah, so they did not we'll look see. too good last year in one of the worst divisions. So. Yeah, no, it didn't at all. And if they don't have a run game to help them, and I don't know, we'll see. I feel like they're more likely to draft like a wide receiver in the draft than they are like top-end offensive line help. So, I don't know, it worries me a little bit. Yeah. It is worrisome. But, well, I don't think we need to talk about your team too much. I mean, it's it's a pretty damn good team. I think you have decent depth pieces around it. Yep. Um, it's just going to come down to to some luck, I think. Yep. Some good matchups and getting lucky. That's all I need to happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite part of the podcast here. Who's the worst Hoberman and who's the best Steve? Who's the best Steve and who's the worst Hoberman? Uh, okay, well, um, the best Steve, um, I think I'm kind of partial. I'll, I'll go with Steve Swazi. You know, I'll go with him as my is the best Steve, even though that he boy. needs a little bit more. Yeah, but he needs a little bit more of a presence uh, within the league. I know he's like you know Fort Knox as far as trading. You have to you know figure out some special combination to get up in there. But uh, if you ever do, you should probably get like a bonus compensatory pick or two just for uh, making it happen. Um, but uh, worst Hoberman, you know. Uh, I hung out with Will, pretty awesome guy. Hung out with Zach, pretty awesome guy. Um, I don't know Steve as much, and he also is going up against Steve and that other running. So just the fact that you have to go into two runnings for this, I'm just going to make you a doubly loser and pick you. I'm sorry, bro. Wait, so who'd you pick there? Steve. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm sorry, bro. Um, I just realized my mic was unplugged in this whole time, so this has all been recorded over my computer. Oh, okay. Well, sounds good to me. Yeah, hopefully that works out. I just looked down, and I'm like, oh, shit, what's that cord go to? Oh. Well, you sound a lot yep. of clear and perfect, so. Yeah, we'll see how it sounds on the actual uh, recording. Yeah, I think but... maybe there's just a little bit of an echo for me talking, but okay. not too much. Not that I heard too much, though. So. All right. Well, I think uh, that wraps it up for your episode here. Um, next, Actually, I think we're going to record later this week. We're going to do um, Zach Haberman, a.k.a. Hob Solo's episode. All right. Looking forward to so, it. Sounds good, man. We'll talk later then. Any last words for the league? Go Lions. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Peace.